0: And then I stop in the driveway before I get home. Turn off the car, and I do breath work for five minutes before I go into my house because breath work really has shown to give me a break from work energy to family energy. And so I make it my job to to, to transition because that energy walking into the house with my wife and kids sometimes isn't the greatest energy. And my wife has said that to me. Which, which led me to this new habit that I started about six, eight months ago of, of doing breath work before I get into the house. Um, and so I do either box breathing for five minutes, or I'll do these double inhales, long exhale for five minutes, just bringing me back down to baseline, pull, into the, pull in, turn off the car, grab my bag, throw it, hop into the house, take my phone, it goes away. I give my wife and kids a kiss.
1: listening to the Routine Project Podcast, where I, your host, Justin Crawford, am getting into the minds of today's leading entrepreneurs, thought leaders, celebrities, and so many more with one mission in mind, understanding their routines so we can get into building the ones that make the most sense for us. This is the one podcast that's hyper-focused on routines and routines only. What's cool is I feel like we're learning with the guests of the show because sometimes they come on here and they don't even know that they have these routines. I'm excited you're here to learn something new. So thank you for clicking play wherever you're tuning in. Now here's today's episode. Hey, everybody, you're tuning into another episode of the Routine Project Podcast. Uh, I'm Justin and I'm joined now by Michael Turnow. And, uh, we have another hour ahead of us and it's a very exciting episode because this man is the creator of creatures of habit. And when I told y'all we were going to get some very exciting guests on the show, I failed to mention that we were going to get creatures of habit on the routine project podcast. And I was just telling Michael that this has to be one of the most extraordinary episodes of what he's created and how that's going to translate into what we wanted to do, which is the routines, but habits are what build routines. So this episode makes so much sense. So if you're tuning in, thank you for clicking play. Michael Chernow, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you so so much for having me, man. i I can't think of a more appropriate podcast to be doing because my life is built around habits, structure, and routine. You know, and I just want to start off by saying that anybody listening right now, you know, for whatever reason we are taught that discipline, when we hear discipline, when we hear, routine, when we hear structure, we kind of feel like it's, there's like a negative connotation associated with discipline, routine, and structure. Like we're, we're like, we're actually like held to this thing. And the truth of the matter is it could not be more, it could not be further from the truth. For Mm. me, discipline actually gives me the opportunity to live my life the way I want to live it. And when we don't have structure, when we don't have routine, when we don't follow a list of habits, when we don't have any discipline, man, like we're all over the place. And so I really do love to have a lane and drive in that lane as fast as I want to drive. And when I want to take when I want to when I want to pass somebody or when I want to when I want to turn right, I am totally absolutely free to do so because I know my lane. I know my lane. And I know how to get back into my lane. And I know what speed is comfortable for me in that lane. And so I just wanted to start by saying that it's very, very, um, it's been made very clear to me over the years of living this life of structure, that discipline is freedom
1: discipline is freedom. I, th- you guys, I think, uh, we're going to close the episode now. It just makes so much sense that that one soundbite's all we really needed to hear today. Uh, so Michael, thank you for joining the show. We'll, uh, we'll put everything below and then we'll see you later. No, <laughs> he thinks he's like, what an asshole of a host. Uh, there's no way we took a three minute call. Sometimes I've seen podcasts that short, uh, this one's not going to be that short. We have too much to talk about. And a lot of it's what you've created by staying in your lane to your point, understanding where discipline played into your life. Uh, I just want to know how how you wake up. I'm very curious. I've been following you on Instagram. Everybody, his social's tagged below in the description. Uh, a lot about his restaurants, Creatures of Habits, his podcast, all of that's going to be in the description below. I'll probably bring it up a little later too. Uh, but as we start alluding to different things Michael's been up to in his life, it's going to be below. In the meantime. Take us back to these restaurants, dude. I had no idea for the longest time you were the brain behind Meatball Shop and Seymour's, which are some of the most popular, if not most successful restaurants in New York City. And then of course, we have so many other things to get to too, but let's talk restaurants. Like you had studied somewhat of like culinary arts and you know, did you know you wanted to get into restaurant business? And then when you did, what were some of like, tell us the hardest lessons. I feel like that's like the hardest business to run.
0: I love people. I am passionately in love with connecting with human beings. That is really when people ask me, oh, you know, like what drives you? What motivates you? What's your superpower? I know it is the ability to organically and naturally connect with humans at scale. That is what I love to do. I really, I could sit, you know, my wife, she hates it because I I could talk to anybody from any walk of life for hours on end. I will figure out a way to acclimate and to get very comfortable. And then ultimately, I think I'm a good host as well. Get people comfortable with me and then ultimately make memories and magic. Right. And so I, I, I and, and that is what the restaurant business is. Food and beverage happens to be a great vehicle to get people around a table to talk and communicate and and uh, and connect and I got a job in a restaurant when I was twelve years old. Mm. It was the first place that would really hire me, and I fell in love immediately. I, I immediately fell in love. I grew up in New York City. I grew up in a, you know, public school system where there are lots and lots and lots of kids, and I also had a pretty rough and tumble home household. So I, I, I really also love the f- being able to get out of there as 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 often and as quickly as possible. <laughs> my mother is a wonderful person. my father was a very difficult person for me and so you know i I just I learned early on that I wasn't getting what I wanted from in the from the love department at home and I had to figure out a way to get it outside of the house and so that's when i think I think early like like five, six, seven years old, I began sharpening my ability to connect with mm. humans because I really was looking for that kind of connectivity. I, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a very spiritual person and, and, I, and I have, I think was born with that. And so I really do vibe off of people's energy and it makes me feel good. And so I got, got a job in a restaurant very young. I fell in love with the people component of it. And then I ultimately fell in love with the, the culinary component and the hospitality component. I worked in restaurants all through high school Started working in some nightclubs. The nightlife really did do a number on me. Um, I was exposed to an enormous amount of the good and the bad. I don't regret a second of it, but mm-hmm. I really got deeply involved in the nightlife things that people do at night, which is mm-hmm. drink and party and do drugs and sex and all sorts of things like that at a young age. And I got it out of my system. I got sober when I was 23 years old. And at 23 years old, I knew that I, I needed to change. I knew that this was not going to be uh, a successful path. I mm-hmm. knew that I had more to offer. And so I stopped drinking. I stopped partying. And I started to build structure in my life. And that's that's how I've come to the place I am today. Sober 18 years. And over the last 18 years, I have really done everything I said I was going to do. Um, And so, you know, when I was 25 years old, I took my boss aside who I'd been working for, for five years, great little restaurant in the East village called Frank in New York city. Love that place. It's still around, still one of my favorite restaurants. I took Frank aside and he, he was, he was incredibly influential for me. He also helped me to get sober and change my life. But ultimately what he did was I sat him down and I said, Hey man, you know, I I think I'm at a level. Where I'm at a place where I know that I want to be in this business Mm. for the long, long haul. And I don't want to be a GM. I don't want to be a chef. I don't want to do any of those things. I want to be a restaurateur. I want to open my own places. And he looked at me dead in my eyes. And, you know, I'd I'd been, I was like two years sober. And he said, you know, Mikey, I love you, man, but I just don't know if you have it in you.
2: Mm.
0: And that lit a fire under my ass, like nothing else had ever before in my life. And he said, but if you really want to do it, you should go to culinary school. Mm -hmm. You should have that under your belt. And so the next day I applied to culinary school. I went to the French Culinary Institute. I got a degree in culinary arts there. While I was there, there was a program that Cornell had partnered with FCI on to introduce a restaurant management, hospitality management program Mm -hmm. that I also took, which was like a truncated associate's degree. And uh, I applied for the scholarship to that. And I got the scholarship. So I, I right after culinary, or they overlapped a little bit. I did the management program and I graduated when I was 27. I spent a year or half a year working on what a business plan was going to look like for my restaurant. We all know now is the meatball shop. And as soon as I felt like I had that plan ready and my partner, Daniel, was, was willing to come back to New York from California and do this thing with me, I placed that business plan in front of every single regular at the restaurant. And 14 of those guys wrote me a check, Uh, a couple of other people. I put my life savings of $25,000 in. Daniel did the same. We raised just under 400 grand, found the location, opened up the meatball shop. And that was the beginning of my career as a restaurateur. Um, I got a crash course in business. I don't know if you were in New York or or around New York at that time, but when the meatball shop opened, it was a massive hit. It was a huge 2010, by the way, right? 2010, exactly. Mm. Uh, February 9th, 2010 is when we opened up that restaurant, the Lower East Side. Mm. And it gave me, um, I just, I loved every second of it. (laughs) I loved every second of it. I I mean, I was working 20 hours a day. I I didn't take a day off for 18 months. My wife was ready to, you know, pack it in with me, which I can talk about too. But I learned a lot about myself. Mm. I learned a lot about what I love to do. I learned about a lot about what I'm not good at and what I don't love to do. Mm. Throughout the process, we were, you know, we we paid back our investors in like six to eight months. We raised more money. We opened up five more restaurants over the next two and a half years. I was able to really express my full passion for connecting with people. There, um, I learned there that the business of business is relationships, and the foundation of relationships is trust. And Mm. that, that, and I'm not even, I'm not even talking about the relationships with my guests in the restaurant. I'm talking about the relationships with the people that work with me. That is the most important relationship a business owner should focus on. It's forgotten a lot of the time. If you don't, if you have a company of 20 people or less, and you don't know about their family life and their life, If you don't know what they like to do on their off time, if you don't know what kind of cake they like on their birthday, you got to start digging some more. I learned that the relationship I had with my staff was by far and away the most important relationship I could ever have focused on. And, and, And the reason why is because I learned that if the staff was supported, comfortable, and happy, every single guest experience was going to be awesome. If the staff did not feel supported, felt scared, did not really enjoy coming to work, which has happened in my businesses as well, it becomes a toxic, they steal whenever they get an opportunity to, and it is a very, very, very difficult business to succeed. It just is. So lesson Mm -hmm. number one, you know, Put your put your team first always mm. in in the world of business and uh and so yeah so we opened up five more restaurants I um I, I learned throughout that three and a half four year period of time that I really enjoy the creative aspect of restaurants I really mm. love building creating the brands creating the culture um de- designing the culture and uh and the restaurants I love designing the restaurants I designed all the meatball shops and all the Seymours and so we 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 had been we we were thriving, and uh, I, I said to my partner Dan, you know, what are you thinking about for the growth trajectory? That was actually a TV show that covered all of this called Consumed: The Real Restaurant Business. Um, but he and I didn't see eye to eye on how we wanted to grow the business, and we were best friends from childhood. When you're when you're in business with a best friend, it's very very easy to fight it's very very easy to not see eye to eye and feel comfortable enough saying how you actually feel Mm -hmm. and so he and i ended up really not seeing eye to eye on the growth trajectory even though the business was crushing i wanted to open up in los angeles chicago miami austin texas i wanted to take the more iconic route and he wanted to open up in like huntington long island connecticut westchester Um, And that just wasn't interesting to me. So instead of completely exploding the business and or imploding the business, I decided to say after some hard decision making, hey, guys, why don't you buy some of my equity so that I can go create another brand? Because I think I had I felt at that that moment that I had what it took to go create a similar experience to what I did with meatball shop with another restaurant. And, And that's exactly what we did. You know, they bought out. I don't know. 75% 75% of my equity. I held on to the other 25%. I I, I I I stepped down from leadership and I I hopped on the board as a as a as a board seat and a, and an advisor. And I started the process for creating Seymour's, which I opened up in June of 2015
2: mm-hmm.
0: on the corner of Broom and Mulberry Street. And the exact same thing happened. Except I knew going into this one that I wasn't gonna want to scale this company. To a hundred restaurants, I mm-hmm. knew that I wanted to build five restaurants or six restaurants, and then find somebody really smart to then take it and scale it. And about a year in, that's what happened. I found a, a partner. His name is Jay Wainwright. He was running Le Pen Cotidian at the time. He was a mentor of mine. He came in and said, "Hey, let's you know, I would love." To, he, he he wanted to scale the business with me from day one, and I I said I, I need a little time to breathe, a little time to process, and and and, <laughs> yeah. and get get you know get back to 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 like true happiness in the business. And so a year in, um, he came on, I made him the CEO of the company. I took the presidency and, uh, we scaled the business together and I love Seymour's. I love meatball shop too, but I love both of them too. They're freaking (laughs) great. Seymour's just felt a little bit like there was, it was, it was all me. hundred percent. Uh, And, and so, you know, Jay and I teamed up, we raised some money, we opened up five more restaurants together. And in 2019, I sold him and the partners, um, some, some of my equity, and I began the process for creatures of habit. Here's another thing that I'll say as a lesson for entrepreneurs listening, this isn't for everyone, but this is for me. I am also very comfortable with taking risks, very comfortable. I mean, in order to be a successful entrepreneur, I think you have to have a high threshold for fear. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, if you build a business and it's successful and you're three to five years in and you get an opportunity to mitigate some of your risk and take some money off the table, fucking do it. Do it. I, I I promise you it is the right decision to make. If you're if you're in that place right now and you're wondering, oh, should I should I sell my company? Should I sell some of my company? You know, I know that it's going to be worth X more in the next two to three years based on our trajectory, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You never ever know what could happen. And I'm here to tell you that the pandemic made a massive dent in both Meatball Shop and Seymour's. Thank God they have both made it through, but not without casualty. Mm -hmm. So all I'm saying is you never know what's going to happen. And if you want to be able to bear some fruit of your labor, when you get an opportunity to take a significant amount of money out of a business as an entrepreneur, specifically in small business, do it. It, do
1: it fucking do
0: it fucking <laughs> do it. I don't, I don't know. Am I allowed to curse
1: on this thing? Do you cuss on yours? I do. Yeah. So then you can cuss on this. This is your episode. I want you to, I want, yeah, this is, this is you. You, uh, you mentioned a little bit about your wife. You mentioned a little bit about uh, truth to happiness and business. Uh, and then this idea, what I'm going to, I'm going to label it as on to the next, which is, uh, what we have to talk about now, which is creatures of habit, how it's different from those two restaurants. Uh, and I want you to kind of like, I really just wanted to pose a question. That's like, all right, before we go start talking about wifey and, you know, like what, what happiness looks like for you in business. Now I'm starting to get curious. Like when you had this mindset around, let me take some cash and go. feels like the right opportunity to do it. Time to go do this thing with creatures of habit. Like, can you walk us through that that process of taking everything that you had learned out of those other two restaurants to then create something of what I consider it's an it's an extraordinary business first and foremost, let alone brand, let alone podcast. And now you're like a huge media personality that all of us can see and learn from. And so, like, was that part of the vision? What was the vision? Uh, and I just know when you're going to start talking, I'm going to sit here and just be like, holy shit, that's amazing. So just whatever you feel like, yeah. What was that process like?
0: Well, great question. I wellness, nutrition, fitness, and mindset have been the foundation of my happiness personally and professionally for the last 18 years. And when I was when I knew that it was gonna be it was time for me to sell some of the equity at Seymour's, I felt like Jay was more in control than I was, even though I was the founder of the company he was the CEO and I, and I made that decision. I made that decision. I just, I knew that it was the right time because I also made a promise to myself that I was not going to become emotionally attached, severely emotionally attached to businesses that I create because At this stage in my life, I know that I have the ability to create businesses from scratch, from zero, from nothing. I know that about myself. You know, I, I, a lot of shit I wing. I still feel like I'm winging it. I'm I'm not talking to you right now. I'm being totally honest. Like anybody who doesn't say that they're winging it at some level is lying, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's never any moment in life that is the exact same as, as before. Every single moment is unique. And, uh, and so. I um I really wanted to like step away and 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 create a brand that felt more aligned with my personal passion for fitness, nutrition, wellness, and mindset. Mm. Even though Creatures of Habit was definitely an evolution in the world of wellness. I mean, excuse me, Seymour's was an evolution in the world of wellness from meatball shop to Seymour's. I just wanted to create something that. I felt the community was ready for, mm-hmm. and I knew I needed to do. My story is all I got. If you're not able to tell a story with a business, you've got to rethink your business. Mm-hmm. It is storytelling. And my story is, is all I've got. And I've got a pretty good one, I think. You know, I've come from a pretty hard place and I've built... Block by block, piece by piece, mortar, and the whole bit from scratch. Mm. And so, and and the way I was able to do that was through my commitment to myself and wellness. Actually, so I knew that I needed to create a business that was more aligned with that. And so I wanted to create. You know, I came up with this idea, creatures of habit, because habit has been everything in my life. My habits used to, you know, my habits almost killed me. Uh, you know, I overdosed from heroin, right? Like my habits almost killed me. And now they, they've they made me the man I am today. So I i replaced bad habits with great habits. And my life is, you know, exponentially better than it, I could have ever imagined. There are bad days, there are bad weeks, but you know, it just c- can't compare to what it used to be. And so I, uh, I started thinking about what Creatures of Habit was. And I initially Creatures of Habit was going to be a restaurant because I was historically in the restaurant business and i created this awesome menu and i wanted to have this place that was a wellness focused restaurant except it you wanted to hang out there you wanted to you, you wanted to take a date there like wellness healthy restaurants in new york city look like healthy restaurants smell like healthy restaurants and are not necessarily the vibe you're looking for on a friday night you know what i mean yeah, and so i wanted sure. to create that with creatures Uh, I found an amazing location. I lined up investors and the pandemic hit, and I had to make a big change. I had to make a pivot. So CPG has been something that I've always thought about doing. I I really did want to create products. And, and, and honestly, ultimately I was thinking about the trajectory of scaling creatures of habit was going to be using the restaurant as an incubator for products. And we would create products in the restaurant. We would put them on the shelf in like a little retail area in the restaurant, see what people were picking up and then put money behind those things and grow the business through this consumer packaged goods company
1: mm. and
0: use the restaurant as obviously, Which was CPG, by the way,
1: if you're listening and you're
0: like, what the fuck is CPG? <laughs> CPG is consumer packaged goods. Anything you buy in a package, anything you buy, like the original CPG lays... Potato potato chips, chips. Snickers bars, Kit Kats, Cliff bar, RX bar, anything you buy in a package, cosmetic, any anything that comes in a package is a consumer packaged good. Something that you're not buying in, you know, fresh off the off the off the the press. Mm -hmm. And so when the pandemic hit, I had to I had to make a change. I knew that I wasn't going to invest a bunch of my money into a restaurant. I wasn't going to take my investors money and put it into a restaurant. So my family and i packed up our bags in Brooklyn. We moved to our upstate house and I spent three months really thinking about what the next phase of my career was going to be the next chapter Mm. of my career. I was on a run. Uh, this is true story. (laughs) I was on a run after spending a few months with an executive coach Mm. Who was who had convinced me that I can build a business in any industry I wanted to because of my creative ability? And I was on a run and I said, All right, I was going to do CPG anyway. What am I going to do with creatures of habit if it was a CPG brand? And it just came to me. Oh, Mm. I've been eating an optimized. Version of oatmeal as my first meal of the day every single day since I got sober. What was in before. the oatmeal? So when it first started, well, I'll tell you the story. Two guys really came to the rescue for me when I was mm. 23 years old, and I was decided to make that change. And they dragged me off the street mm-hmm. and they threw me into a moitide ring. And I and I knew one of these guys through a friend of mine that was dating one of them. Um, But these guys were, you know, 10 years older than me. And the and I kind of looked up to them. They were cool dudes. They were, you know, I, I felt like once I got sober, my life was over. I was like, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm resorting to being like a complete square. And, you know, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna hook up with a hot girl again. I'm never going to, you know, it just it's over you know i'm done yeah I've I've, I've I've ruined my privilege of partying and now i'm going to be in a library for the rest of my life <laughs> not true <laughs> not even close uh there's a called library by the way <laughs> so these guys took me under their wing and they introduced me to the world of wellness and they threw me into a muay thai kickboxing ring i had i had no intention of doing that But they said, hey, like you're going to do this thing in sobriety and we're going to give you something to really sink your teeth into throughout the rest of your day. Because, you know, if you if you if you take the path that we took, you're only going to spend time with the sober community about an hour each day. Mm. You've got all the rest of this time to fill with ultimately positive, ideally positive things. So they wrote me a meal plan. They took me to the gym. and they kicked my ass, literally and physically, I mean, and, and figuratively. <laughs> they, uh, they taught me about discipline. They taught me about commitment. They taught me about humility. They taught me about integrity. They taught me that it was okay to fall down and get back up. Uh, and then it was all about getting back up. Mm-hmm. That was what the next 2 decades of my life has been about it's it's, mm. it's always about getting back up because I don't give a fuck about falling down. It right. does not scare me. I don't care. I don't care about falling down. I like to fall down. I'm pushed to fall down. I want to fall down. I want to fall. I want to I want to I want to I want to keel over and and feel defeated because I know that growth comes from that and following it with getting back up. Mm -hmm. So they taught me all those things. And I learned that philosophy in the ring of, Mm. of, uh, of five points Academy downtown in Chinatown. And then in the meal plan, they taught me, uh, they told me to eat oatmeal as my first meal of the day. They were like, we want you to eat oatmeal in the morning. And we want you to eat chicken and broccoli for lunch and chicken and broccoli for dinner.
1: (laughs) Oh, it sounds just so clean though, right? Like that's typically (laughs) what people chase after when they want a clean diet
0: and some abs. Yeah, that's basically what they told me to do. And I honestly was at the point in my life where I was like, okay, great. Like, just tell me what to do. I'm in, Mm -hmm. I'm in. And uh, so, you know, it started out as just oatmeal right i would make oatmeal i'd add a little like maple syrup to it some some walnuts and call it a day and that was how it was simple it was easy it was stay, satiating and, and that's how that's how i started and then i started adding more things to it i started adding chia seeds and and flax seeds and then the more i learned about health and wellness you know i i knew that i needed protein and i wasn't i was probably not eating any protein so eventually i started adding some protein powder to it it ultimately became this unbelievably delicious, satiating, superfood meal that was like far more than oatmeal. Mm. And, I, and I ate that for years, for years. The only downside to it was that it took me a long time to make. You know, I, was, mm-hmm. I had my oats, I had my protein, I had my nuts, I had my seeds, I had my pink salt, I had my, all my supplements on the side of it. And so when I was on this run, I decided that I was going to take this oatmeal concoction that I had been eating as the first meal of my day every single day, package it Mm. and sell it and tell my story. This package of oats, this package of super food, this meal one was gonna, was going to allow me to share my story of change, share my story of hope, share my story that anyone can have anything they want. It starts with commitment. And I committed to that fucking oatmeal. <laughs> I, I, I was shit. just gonna
1: say commitment I, and oatmeal, Michael yeah. Chernow.
0: I committed to that oatmeal, man. It, it really it really was a symbol of, of change and a symbol of hope for me uh, throughout my life. Support for the Routine
1: Project Podcast is proudly brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you today. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code RoutineProject at Manscaped.com. I used to work with Manscaped on my other podcast, Men of the Hour, and they were actually my presenting sponsor, and I was so proud because every ad read was so funny, and then I turned around and remembered thinking to myself, well, I actually really need these products, and so I'm kind of excited to share it with everybody because any men out there, we all know how it goes below the waist, and I just think it's one of the most unique products out there, so I wanted to share more about them with you guys. They have this big package called the Performance Package 4.0, and it's arrived, and oh man, it's a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. What's insane is you get all of these things in just one box, and it is the perfect gift for either yourself or someone you know. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer is the future of grooming and I dare to say something else is better for your balls. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents and thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It's waterproof and has 4000K LED spotlight so you can be as precise as you need. It also includes the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, both of which I've used and I love because it's so easy and there's no nicks or knacks about cutting your hair that's inside your nose or ear. It's pretty cool. The Crop Preserver Bald Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Bald Toner will also change everything about your hygiene routine. Speaking of routine, I think it's important to get in the routine of grooming yourself however you see best fit for you, and you could do so with Manscaped. They even throw in two free gifts with their Performance Package 4.0, and that's the Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. It's time you take care of yourself and you just got to go to manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping with the code RoutineProject. Get 20% off and free shipping today with the code RoutineProject at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and all you got to do is use that code RoutineProject. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped.
0: And and I wanted, I wanted nothing more than to be able to, to share that. Because in the restaurants, I can talk to people and I can, I, can, I can make people feel great in person all the time. But in order to get to my restaurants, you had to be in New York in order for me to be able to actually touch you and, 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 and try to make you a happier person or a better person. With, the, with this thing, I could, I could be a part of your life anywhere in the world. I could share my story with you and and also deliver like an awesome, incredibly convenient, super healthy way to kickstart your day without even thinking about it. Like imagine never, ever, ever having to think about your, your first meal of the day ever again and knowing that it was the absolute perfect thing to put into your body. Like imagine that, right? Never having to think about it for the rest of your life, as long as creatures of habits in business for the rest of your life, never having to worry about it again, not saying that you have to eat it every day. But you could and I do. So I take it with me everywhere. I take it on vacation, I take it on trips, I take it specifically when I travel for business, I'll take two or three potentially a day, if I didn't want to sacrifice and like a shitty meal in in a hotel lobby, you know. Um, And so I I said, if I can do this, if I can figure out a way to get the, the premium oats, the plant-based protein, 30 grams of protein, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D3, probiotic, digestive enzymes, pink Himalayan salt, chia seeds, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, into a pouch and make it easy to make so that it would taste really good, well, then I've got something special. And I said it out loud. Thought about it on the run. I came up with the name "The Protagonist on the Run." I got back home. I said to my wife, "This is what I'm going to do." She laughed at me and thought I was crazy. And I put two hundred thousand dollars into a bank account that night. And the very next day, I started connecting the dots, and I connected with a formula lab in. Um, I connected with a formula lab in California. And. Uh, that's all she wrote, man. It took me a year. It took me a year and change to, to, to come up with a formula over 65 iterations until I felt very good about it. And then, um, and then I built the brand and I wanted to do something more than just product. So I created a really cool line of apparel to go with it because any good team has a Jersey
1: Thank you. Or a Letterman jacket. I used to say that all the time as a cheerleader and tennis player
0: and shit. I love a team jersey or a Letterman jacket. So you fucking did it, Michael. So that was it. I said, you know what, I've got to be able to give the community an opportunity to feel like they're a part of the team and represent. And so we made awesome hats and really cool hoodies and tees and sweatpants. And we did this amazing collaboration with vans. And we just got some of those new, some of those vans back in stock that we're, we'll be launching in the next day or two here. Thank God. So that's it. I know if you're listening and you want to change your life or you want another tool to add to your arsenal of awesomeness, check out creatures of habit because it really, it really is. I believe in my heart of hearts and every cell in my body that anybody can change. It doesn't matter how old you are, how far gone you've been. You are everybody and anybody can change. It just takes commitment and time. It just takes commitment and time. And so habits are commitment and time. So that is what a habit is you commit. And over time, you are going to reap the benefits. I promise you. Sure. you so you're great, dude. I don't want to end this
1: podcast. So we're not going to. Here's my next question. You said it took a year to then take $200,000 into your bank account after your wife. You thought you were crazy. Uh, I want her. I want your thoughts on how she views you now as opposed to when she, uh, you first met. So weave that into there if you don't mind. Uh, that relationship dynamic, I'm sure is just so stressful for a lot of people in business. You know what I mean? I'll always forever be in like media, which means like I can balance some other shit out. But when I, if I ever thought to do a business, I like you, there's other areas of like stillness and, and moments of pause and, you know, breaks you need to take in order to keep relationships healthy, I'm sure. So yeah, just you and wifey's dynamic now compared to then, but in that year, when you took a hundred, sorry, $200,000 and you were like, I'm doing this thing, it's going to be fucking amazing. Uh, and you spoke those words out loud. Right. And this is after having spent three months of stillness, like you had said at your, your house upstate, Was there a point in time where you knew you had to have specific habits, have to have, or like routines too, in that one year to make it as big as you wanted and as big as you knew it was going to be this now amazing brand, Creatures of Habit?
0: Absolutely. Uh, My life was very, very different from what I was used to. I was used to having a physical place to go to work to every day in the restaurant business. I was used to, super duper long hours. For the most part, I was used to not having dinner with my family every night, only on the weekends, I was used to leaving the house at five o'clock in the morning, getting back at seven, spending, you know, 20 minutes with my kids, and then not getting back home until eight o'clock at night. So creating this business has led me so much closer to my ideal life in balance. I am not a fan of preaching the hustle culture. I'm just not. And I'm not saying that I didn't do it intensely because I did. I'm also not saying that that might not have been what needed to happen to get me to where I am today. But what I am saying is, is that I am only 41 years old. I've got another fucking 50 plus years to get out there and do it. I say 60. I'm with you, right? I'm with you. Like I've got an enormous amount of time. I've got at least my whole lifetime left to get out there and go. And I just, I think it's so important for people to understand that there is beauty in things. There is. I'm also not one of these guys that says, oh, you know, like it's all about, you know, fuck the things, materials, not like it, I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I actually really enjoy things. I do, but my family is so much more important to me than things. And my, 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 the love for myself is so much more important than everything in my life. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: I put self-love and self-care before my family, before my kids, before my dog, before my business. I do that because I know that I show up a better human being after I've taken care of myself first. Mm. I'm a better husband, father, brother, son, business owner, business partner, friend, all of it. I'm just better. And it might just be a little bit better but I'm better and I don't sacrifice time with them. I wake up at four forty-five every day to get after it for those two hours that the whole entire world is still asleep, but uh, I've not
1: heard anybody else say it like that. This is why we'll be friends forever because that's important. And we'll go back to that in a moment, but morning to you, taking care of you, being sure that that's where you are before you let everyone else come into your
0: life on the daily I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. And, and also like, I, I, I am, I am a very regimented dude. However, on a Sunday morning, if I want to sleep, you bet your ass, I allow myself to sleep and now sleeping for me is like, is, you know, my house doesn't wake up after six a.m. I got two young kids. They're just, you know, if they're not already in our damn bed, like they're in there by 6 a.m. But For me, I believe in this philosophy of between 80 and 85% of the time, I'm on, man. I am on. Like, at any moment, I am ready to attack. I'm on. 15 to 20% of the time, you will catch me with a fat burger in my hand. You will catch me sleeping in the middle of the day for, like, a good, long, like, lazy nap, you know? I give myself the ability to have that balance because I know that perfection is absolutely unequivocally in motherfucking possible. It is not possible. You have to be able to turn it on and turn it off. And if you're striving for perfection, you never turn it off. Mm -hmm. You never turn it off. I don't believe in perfection. I believe in progress every single day for better progress Mm -hmm. for better. That's all I want to do. So. You asked me about how my wife views me now compared to then. I met my wife six months after I got sober. Mm. I was an a- animal. I was crazy. I, was so- I, 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 I replaced my addiction with fighting in the ring. I became obsessed with Muay Thai. Really, I did. And I'm not saying it was necessarily the healthiest thing. But I needed to be able to latch onto something as I was coming through this transition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I towards the end of my drinking days, I was in a lot of fights. Um, unfortunately, I have not been in a single, single street fight since I stopped drinking. <laughs> but till the day I stopped drinking, I was definitely not afraid to punch somebody in the mouth um, out in the street. And and that was terrible. Right. These guys knew that about me. And they knew that I needed an outlet and uh, they put me in a, in a controlled environment and I fell in love with it. I became insanely passionate about it. It, I I became humble and, and uh, I was not humble before that at all. I had no humility. I had the Mm. lowest self-esteem, but an ego, the size of Texas, you know? Um, And, uh, and my wife met me when I was, sort of going through the 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 early phases of changing to the man i am today right and so when i met her she my wife is is she's stunningly beautiful you know my wife when when we met i was like there's no way this woman is there's no way i mean i've dated beautiful women before but this one is just she's like an angel i mean like there's no chance and i was wrong um i was wrong you know she was uh she was as into me as i was in, into her and and she saw me like raw you know and i told her very quick like from the from the day one i remember i'll tell you exactly what we did she walked into the restaurant i was working at she walked in with a girlfriend and two guys they stay what they, they i was bartending <laughs> they sat down at the bar um and uh i was 24 they sat down at the bar ordered a drink i was like whoa they're hot but there were two guys so you know i'm not gonna waste any time on that they went down it went into the restaurants to, to eat the guys about an hour and a half later walked out alone and i was like hmm, that's weird anyway the girls came to sit down at the bar about 10 minutes later and we started talking they hung out with me all night long and she was being very flirty and i was like is it? i was like is that your boyfriend and she was like no that's not my boyfriend and i was like really and she was plot like, twist they were gay you know <laughs> What they happens. weren't. They weren't. Actually, they had they, they, those two guys, like they were sort of see they were like hanging out, like they were hooking up, but it was not a serious thing.
2: Mm.
0: And so she told me that it was her birthday the, uh, the next night. Mm-hmm. And I said, and it was like, it was a Wednesday night, I think. And I said, then you got to let me take you out on your birthday you gotta let me take you out on your birthday. And I was not the kind of guy to like ask a girl out over the bar. I just wasn't that dude, but I was right. like, you know what? This is a, this is, this is a unique situation. I'm going to take the chance here. And I was like, you gotta let me take you out on your birthday. And she was like, um, actually her birthday wasn't the next day. It was two days away. And she said, I'm going out with my girlfriends, you know, this is, we already got plans. And I was like, well, then you'll let me pick you up tomorrow night um, at 10 o'clock and we'll go out for dinner. And at midnight, We'll celebrate with a cake for your birthday. And she was like, All right. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll do that. And uh, I took her to my favorite restaurant at 10 o'clock at night, Blue Ribbon in the West Village. We had Mm. oysters and bone marrow and a bunch of not bone (laughs) marrow. We did. We'll talk about we that on
1: episode two of this shit. I think it's... <laughs> anyway, okay, got it, got it. That sounds beautiful, dude. Yeah,
0: so we had oysters and bone marrow. We had the, the amazing... Like, they have this insanely delicious chocolate cake. And uh, mm-hmm. and then we went to Cafe Regio um, afterwards and, like, made out for four hours. Oh. And, uh, and then she ghosted me for two weeks. And I was like, I couldn't believe it. But ultimately, we reconnected and we've been best friends and lovers for you know, the last 17 years. I almost want to bring her on the next episode that I have
1: you on, be it this podcast or the next podcast. I want to get her thoughts for those two minutes, uh, uh, two minutes and two weeks thoughts. Cause like, I wonder what was her name, by the way, Donna, Donna. I wonder what Donna was thinking for two weeks. Was it that she was so overwhelmed that you pulled such a gentleman move, which is again, why we have to have another conversation about it on a whole nother episode about relationships. Cause like, most people wouldn't do that. You think, I mean, listen, if you're listening right now and you're like, oh my God, that sounds like my dream man. You know, if you're, uh, if you're a man, you're like, damn, I got to do that for my lady to win her over. You pulled a Prince Charming move, which was pretty dope and bold. At 24, you kidding me? I'm 26 and I'm like, I would have never done something like that. You know, most people would never. But something about the confidence and the way that you were back then, I'm sure, uh, has now like got you to this really solid, um, what I consider like holistic badass, or like you had said, what is it, arsenal? I couldn't even spell it. I was writing this stuff down as he's talking. I'm like, find your, I find your oatmeal arsenal of awesomeness. This is what I do during podcasts. Yeah. that was it. <laughs> you, know? you just nailed it. Arsenal of awesomeness is what you are, man. Uh, I want to get into your habits and routines a little more as, as I know people who look at you as, okay. Another freaking word. And I'm not going to ever claim to be good at math or grammar or geography. Uh, that's why I talk for a living, but okay. You said the word rest, rest, her, restaurant tour. <laughs> You mm-hmm. know, I didn't intro. I said Michael Chur. Now notice I didn't give him titles because that was one of them. So restaurateur, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> being that you're an entrepreneur you've launched businesses. You now have scaled one to be worldwide in the sense that people can take this oatmeal anywhere they want to. They can buy your products. You just mentioned partnering with bands with new stuff coming out. If your podcast can be downloaded worldwide. And the reason I say all that, because again, description below, all of it's linked there to go check it out. But in the meantime, you had to have built some type of routine. So if you can walk us through your day, and I leave this for the end of our conversation, just like really intentionally, because your stories have been amazing to listen to. But if you can walk us through your day, Monday through what Thursday, Monday to Friday, what's a perfect day? Uh, and then what routines do you have within the day that kind of keep you the Michael Turner that you've now are, are very sounds comfortable, confident and just happy to be?
0: So my morning routine is the most important part of my day. It is absolutely how I build foundation. I look at every day as life. We get one fucking day. We get one shot. We get one day. It is all we are guaranteed. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. And there has not yet been a single living organism that's been able to time travel into the past to make any changes. So we get one day to go. When I wake up, I kind of feel like it's the first day of the rest of my life. The fir- I wake up at 4.45, between 4.45 and 5 o'clock in the morning every day. Don't use an alarm. It's just when my body wakes up. I immediately slip back my iPad, my eye mask. I look up at the ceiling and I smile from ear to ear like this. Literally smile for 15 seconds. Force it first thing in the morning. Why do I do that? I do that because a lot of us, specifically entrepreneurs, wake up with anxiety, wake up with stress, wake up early, thinking about four hours from now. And I force that negative shit out of my head immediately. And so how do I do that? I smile from ear to ear and I count to 15. I think of a few things that I'm grateful for. And what that smile is doing is also releasing serotonin into my body, making me feel good. It immediately is starting out starting your day with a smile is like, you can't beat it there. It's, it's like the easiest hack in history. The first thing you do, boom, wake up, smile. If you can get an out loud laugh. Cause I get a laugh sometimes. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is insane that I do this. If I had, if somebody was standing here looking at me, they would think I was crazy, but it works. So I smile immediately. I get out of bed with intention. I don't mosey out of bed. I don't roll out of bed. I am like fucking up and on my feet. I get out of bed. I go right into the bathroom. I take a piss if I'm competing or if I'm competing in a, in a, in a competition, which I tend to do often. Uh, I will weigh myself right after I pee. I wash my face. I brush my teeth. I floss with a water pick, which I fucking love. I love my water pick floss. Um, I've got a skincare routine that I do. Uh, and then I get on my knees and I pray. I've got a prayer practice that I've been doing for many, many years. Uh, I pray for help, uh, you know, universal help. I I, I I know that if I start my day asking for help from the fucking powers that be, I, it gives me a better opportunity to, to ask for help from other people throughout the day. I start with humility and hopefully it, 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 it allows me to be better in that arena uh, throughout the rest of the day. I do 50 pushups right after I pray. Um, I then sneak past my wife and go downstairs. I immediately drink Athletic Greens. I then follow that with twenty ounces of water, pink Himalayan salt, and lemon. Um, I will put some hot water on the coffee maker and get that going. I then walk into my sauna that's preheated from the night before. I preheat the sauna. I meditate for 10 minutes, I read 10 pages, and I write in my journal. By the time I'm done with that, uh, I am hot as fuck. And I jump into my cold plunge, uh, which is right across from my sauna. And by the time I'm done with that, I'm cold as fuck. Uh, I hang upside down for five minutes on my inversion table. And at this point, it's like 550 in the morning. I was just
1: say yeah nobody else has even woken up yet.
0: Yeah, I walk into the kitchen, I light a candle and I start making my coffee and mm. my son walks downstairs around 6:05. He crawls into my arms and it makes me emotional to even think about it because I love my kids so much. So being able to have that time in the morning with my son, um my older son, my younger son sleeps like a fucking, you know, he's like a permanent. <laughs> he's younger, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, But my older son, you know, we hug and we don't say much. You know, I've got a candle lit. I'm totally relaxed. I'm like so happy. You know, I've just I've just spent the last hour and change just really loving myself and and without any interruption. Yeah. And and then I get my day going. You know, I will uh, sometimes I work out right away. Sometimes I will go straight to the office and get some work done and then go work out at like 11 o'clock. But that's really how I get my day started. And then, um, you know, I work typically from 8 a.m. until 5 15, 5 uh, when I get into my truck. Um, Now I live upstate. I don't live in Brooklyn anymore. I pile into the truck. I typically have some sort of a call with, uh, with a coaching client, with a sponsee, with a friend on my drive home that takes me about 20 minutes. And then I stop in the driveway before I get home, turn off the car, and I do breath work for five minutes before I go into my house because breath work really has shown to give me a break from work energy to family energy. And so I make it my job to, to, to transition because that energy walking into the house with my wife and kids sometimes isn't the greatest energy. And my wife has said that to me, which, which led me to this new habit that I started about six, eight months ago of, of doing breath work before I get into the house. Um, and so I do either box breathing for five minutes, or I'll do these double inhales, long exhale for five minutes, just bringing me back down to baseline, pull into the pull in turn off the car, grab my bag, Throw. It, hop into the house, take my phone, it goes away. I give my wife and kids a kiss. We sit down at dinner every night at around six. We have dinner, we, um, we all go around the table and say what our rose, our thorn and our bud was for the day. Uh, after dinner, we hang out. These days, we've been going up to the fire pit, lighting a fire, really just chilling out, maybe going fishing, some frog catching with the kids. My wife and I, um, we, uh, we, 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 trade on and off on who puts the kids down. Um, and then uh, at around 7.30, 7.45, I take a little CBD oil under my tongue. At uh, eight o'clock, 8.15, I have a smoothie, which is the last thing I put in my body for the day. And we tend to watch tv watch some shit on on netflix it's a it's the way we wind down you know i'm not the guy that's like oh no screens you know f- you know for nine hours before bed i'm like no, no no i i i'm down to watch a little netflix 100%. watch a little hulu watch a little fucking amazon apple tv whatever some good shit to just like allow me to wind down and then we're both in bed by 9 30 um sometimes we have sex sometimes we don't and uh i am fast asleep i have a chili pad i sleep with white noise i've got you know uh, bl- fucking blackout shades. I've got, um, my eye mask on and, uh, and I always listen to some boring book that helps whisk me to bed within two minutes. That's your daily routine. I love that. Wait. So as you're
1: listening to this, I've never listened to anything on the way to bed. Cause I'm always nervous that like, I'll choke through my
0: <laughs> air, like the Apple headphones, but do you have headphones in? Uh I have I put my one AirPod in. The one, right? Okay. Yep. I put one one AirPod in and uh and you know, it, it I it either stays in and and uh or I find it in the morning, you know, on on the floor. Right. Um but I've just learned that uh I really do like sort of listening to typically nonfiction, mm. science focused shit before bed. It's sometimes pretty boring but interesting. She's to sleep too. It puts me to bed puts me to bed and I typically get seven hours of sleep, uh, you know, pretty good REM and slow wave, you know, deep sleep and start, start it all again the next day. Hmm. Y'all
1: that's the end of this podcast. You know why? Because I've like, I, I said, let's talk restaurants. Let's talk life. Let's talk wifey. Let's talk back in the day and Mo, Mo, mu- my mu- thai? thai, No, my tie, my See, I learned something new every time I interview such freaking awesome, cool, oatmeal focused people like you. You're dude. I'm so glad you said yes to doing this podcast. Um, and everything that Michael had talked about is below. That's the third time I've said this. So if you haven't clicked it yet, it literally says like what? See description or see below. Anyway, every and anything he mentioned is linked. Including the restaurants, including the podcast, including the Creatures of Habit website. I want to link to your eye mask. I don't know if anybody else who's listening does,
0: <laughs> but that's important when you're sleeping. The eye, mask is, the eye mask is, I've had it for years and it's, it's from a company called Silk. They make you should partner silk with linen. Silk
1: like you did with fans and just psh,
0: Creatures of Habit on the eye mask. I'll for buy real. it tomorrow.
1: I'll buy three tomorrow. I've been looking for an eye mask, but Michael Chernow, thank you. Thank you for sharing your story for being vulnerable, allowing us to kind of get in your head, both in business and life and ultimately walking us through your daily routine, because that's the most important thing in the show that I wanted people to get from someone's, someone as high performing as you in order to do everything that you did. Here we go. This was such an awesome episode. One I thing I want to leave with,
0: Please. if uh, if anybody listening here wants to try Creatures of Habit, I am pumped to give you guys a Promo code for the podcast. Mm. You can use Routine 15, the number 15, Routine 15. That just sounds sexy. I just amazing. like, I literally came up with that on the fly. <laughs> yeah, I see him with
1: this pen right now. Oh, the second, this is cool. Routine 15. How amazing. I didn't even have to have an advertiser on your podcast. I probably didn't even have a spon. You said spon That's a new word too. Probably didn't have a spon on this one anyway. So Creatures of Habit, y'all, check it out. Routine 15. Michael, thank you for just for everything, for saying everything, for being open, letting us into your life. And I hope you guys follow him. Oh my God, his Instagram's gonna be there too. That's where I found him. Uh, Yeah, we have a lot more to talk about. So him and I are gonna go talk offline, but this is the episode. Thank you for clicking play when you could have clicked any other millions of podcasts out there. The Routine Project podcast here. Michael Chernow, thank you. And his podcast, Creatures of Habit with a K, You're amazing. Thank you
0: again, brother. Thank you, man.
1: Hey, it's Justin again, and that concludes today's episode. I hope you learned something new or exciting about routines or at least took something away from the guest I had on the show. Now I've got plenty more episodes coming up on this podcast, so be sure to click that follow button wherever you're listening. Oh, and you know how it goes. The show only gets better when I hear from you. So drop a rating and review and let me know what you loved and maybe what we can do better on this podcast to keep you coming back each week. Now, until I get that next episode to you, start building the routines that matter most to you and inspire others to do the same.